Welcome to Bible Quest, the Wednesday edition. I am uh, Joe Works from uh, Elmira, New York. I started to say Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, but decided not to. Uh, joining me is uh, Jeff Smelser in Exxon, PA. How are you, Jeff? Just doing fine, Joe. Good to see you. Thanks. And Drew DeGrotto, not normally uh, visible uh, on our Wednesday study, usually the behind the scenes man, uh, but is joining us, uh, replacing uh, the millennial chase. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so uh, good to have you with us, Drew. Good to be here, fellow boomer. <laughs> <laughs> this, today's the boomers. Good to be here. Yes, with you guys. yes, this is the boomer hour now. The chase is gone. So, uh, hopefully he'll be back with us again soon. Uh, all right, so uh, gentlemen, we're going to take a look at Mark, the fourth chapter this afternoon, and uh, consider the parables that are presented here. Uh, look forward to anybody who's joining us on Zoom or on Facebook Live. If you have some comments or questions, please uh, feel free to uh, add those in, and we'll try to make note of them and uh, respond to them as we can. What is it about parables? Um, I find them just so challenging sometimes. Uh, you know, as been studying through this one recently, even, and uh, just felt like you know that first parable he give, he tells the parable and then he gives the answer for it, and I feel kind of like I've been set up uh, remembering back in middle school or whatever, where the teacher gives you the answer to the first question. And then you think, oh, okay, so now I know how to do this. And I begin to look at the next ones and, oh, do I really understand that or not? That sometimes I feel that way about some of the parables. Maybe I'm overthinking some of them. Maybe I'm underthinking. I don't know. But uh, as we go through this afternoon, maybe we'll have a chance to uh, get a better grip of what these are describing here. You know, um we're familiar with Gardner Hall's teaching and not only his teaching, but his teaching young men how to teach. And he's always big on uh, illustrations, talking about you need to use illustrations to get your point across. And the way he does it, he's really, it's kind of parables. And that's what these parables are. They are a way of seeing the point, uh, just put in terms of everyday activities that your audience is familiar with. Right. Uh, very well, well stated. In fact, I, I would suggest, and I don't want to go too far off of Mark 4, but I even see a lot of Jesus's miracles, maybe all of them, as, as what I call parables in action. Yeah. Um, if we think about a parable, the way that I explain it is it's a lot like the word parallel. And so a parable, like, a, like something that's parallel, you have this earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's the phrase that I heard a long time ago. And, and that's quite helpful to think that Jesus is giving a physical story or a physical illustration, but it has a spiritual lesson to it. And that's what we need to try to look at to see what the spiritual lesson is about this. Well, and you said you don't want to go too far off track of Mark 4, but just real quickly to, to amplify what you're saying, in Matthew 11:4, 4, when Jesus sends the messengers to John and tells them to tell John the things which they see and hear, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good tidings preached to them. We think of those miracles that Jesus did in a physical way, and yet there was a spiritual lesson 
the blind receive their sight, those spiritually blind receive their sight, the lame walk, we who are spiritually crippled by our sin are, are healed, the lepers are cleansed, we who are impure are defiled by sin are cleansed, the, the deaf hear, similar to the blind receiving their sight, dead are raised up, and, and we think about the, the life that we have in Christ Jesus, and of course the poor have good tidings preached to them, those of us who are impoverished by the recognition of our need, our spiritual need, our sin. Um, and so even Jesus' miracles that, that people think about as being so impressive because he did something physically astounding, there was a spiritual lesson there. You talked about them being uh, challenging. Uh, what I find very challenging, you'll probably get to this, so I don't want to get ahead of where you're going with this, but he talks about the that these are the secrets, so you've been given the secret of the kingdom, and yet mm. to others it's been withheld. But yet, there are parallels of every of life things that you can identify with. I find that very challenging. It, it really is, yeah. And so, yeah, let's let's go ahead and jump into uh, that very idea. Then, uh, one of you all want to read for us Mark four one through uh, twelve. Sure. Uh, uh, and again, he began to teach by the seaside, and there's, a, and there's gathered unto him a very great multitude, so that he entered into a boat and sat in the sea. And all the multitude were by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things in parables, and said unto them in his teaching, Hearken, behold, the sower went forth to sow, and it came to pass, as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured it. And other fell on the rocky ground where it had not much earth and straightway it sprang up because it had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was risen, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And other fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no fruit. And others fell into the good ground and yielded fruit, growing up and increasing and brought forth thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parables. And he said unto them, unto you is given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest happily they should turn again and it should be forgiven them. Okay. So before we get into this, I'd like to also call our attention to Mark 4, 33 and 34, which is kind of uh, the conclusion to this section after he tells, after he explains that parable and then gives three more uh, recorded here in Mark, at least. In verse 33, and with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it, but without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. I can remember reading that and thinking, well, that's not fair. Uh, you know, it, you, you give some of the class the answer key and other ones you don't. Well, you ought to expect then uh, that some are going to get it and, and some aren't. Um, that just doesn't quite seem like the, uh, the, the way that I would imagine Jesus uh, you know, treating everybody. But I think there's a really key statement that is made for us in what uh, Jeff read over in verse 10. Notice what it says, but when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked about the parable. 
Uh, I'm thinking about, again, like maybe when I was in uh, middle school or whatever, uh, and uh, there was something was, some new material was presented, and, you know, the bell rings, and I run out the class. Uh, I'm, I'm headed down the hallway, while other students are gathered around the desk and saying, wait, I, I didn't get that. Can you explain that to me? And, and they spend the next couple of minutes while, while I'm goofing off, they're spending the next couple of minutes actually getting more of an explanation of what had been taught. I think that's what's happening here. The multitude is hearing this. Everybody's hearing it. But some people come back to Jesus and they say, help us to understand this. What, what does this mean? Um, uh, by Portuguese translation of, of verse 10 actually uses the word instead of asked, it says interrogated him. Um, uh, I don't know that that's uh, necessarily the best word, but I think it does help to sort of present a, a sense of what's transpiring. There are some people who had come to an understanding like, like uh, Peter is going to say in John 6, you have the words, of, uh, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You know, when you know that he is the master, he is the master teacher, and he said something that you don't understand, well, wait, what, what does that mean? No, no hang on, we're not going any further. We, we need to know what this is. When we have that kind of an attitude, we're going to understand the scriptures a lot better. We, we, need, we need to keep coming and asking. Sometimes it's not as clear. We're not going to get it the first time or the second, or for me, sometimes not the 43rd. But we just need to keep coming back to the Lord and, and imitating the disciples here of verse 10, that's what will distinguish us between the multitude of verse 33 and 34. Uh, we, we understand the scriptures by digging into them, not just looking at them superficially. Mm -hmm. About that kind of introduction. So Joe, did you say that this was the first of his parables? Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure of him teaching in parables before this. So um, I, I get know. the impression it is because in verse thir 13 he says, You don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand all of the parables? Yeah, yeah, so so this is like the basis, then. yeah, yeah, uh, that, that may very well be. I, I don't know, I, I haven't really thought too much about that. That's a good question. Um, it, it kind of seems like he's introducing the concept of, of parables. I mean, there's parables in the Old Testament, he's not just introducing the concept, but he's maybe in his teaching. Well, and when and it kind of depends on what you mean by parable if if you mean by parable standing in front of a crowd and saying i'm going to give you an illustration that's one thing but the word parable is used in many contexts where basically it means a figure of speech um it really if you think about it it's not called a parable but if you go back to mark chapter 3 when jesus said uh in mark chapter 3 and um Verse 27, no one can enter the house of the strong man and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, then he will spoil his house. In effect, that's a parable. Um, he doesn't call it a parable, but, you know, how would it not be, really? Mm -hmm. um, I just got a question. Are we on Facebook Live? That was my job. We are not. <laughs> I, I just got a text from a uh, uh, gorgeous redheaded oh, woman uh, wait, that wait, asked me that question. Let me, so. ask, let, let me ask another silly question. Are we broadcasting live? Uh, that was also my job. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I'm recording this, so we can just start the recording and then pick up to this point live. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, all right. So how do you do, do what you want, Jeff? Say what? Do, do it however you want to. I don't care. Oh, we'll just, we, we've had such a great start. <laughs> we we, yeah, we got to do, oh. Okay. We can just post it later if you want. I don't care. Uh, so you are, you are recording, right, Drew? We've been recording from the beginning. Um, um, okay, so you can post that whole recording. I will just put the title in here and I will go ahead and send it to Facebook Live and start broadcasting. And we can have a second introduction, kind of like a second breakfast, I guess, or something. Um, okay, we are now broadcasting to everyone who's now coming in and wondering what's going on here. And uh, within about 10 seconds, we'll be on Facebook. Joe, it's, and here he is, Joe Works. This is the Wednesday edition two. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, for those of you that are just joining us, which is pretty much everybody except for <laughs> Drew, um, uh, we started a great Bible study, very enjoyable for the like the last twelve minutes, and then realized. Uh, because a couple of people texted me that we weren't uh, broadcasting on Zoom or Facebook. So we began by noting that Some, somebody whose job it is to start both the broadcast and the Facebook stream forgot to do it. Well, but, but it may just be fitting because this Wednesday, Chase is not with us. And so there are three boomers that are hosting uh, <laughs> uh, this you're... study. This is called the Boomer Hour. I tell you what, though, yes. the first the first eleven minutes of this webcast, uh, uh, it, it, you'll you'll never see as good a program as was the first eleven. Minutes. <laughs> you'll have to take our word for you'll, it. You'll definitely never see the first eleven minutes. <laughs> well, I, I guess can, we, we can I, get I it recorded up. it. We can we can let it go. We can start from uh, the No, no, no. Well, I don't care. You okay, go. If if anybody ever comes back and does a blooper series of our uh, webcast, and this will this will fit. <laughs> but we are looking at Mark the fourth chapter this afternoon, and uh, wanting to consider parables. Uh, we discussed uh, briefly uh, the meaning of parables, the idea behind them. And uh, when did we discuss that, Joe? Uh, when do we discuss that? At yeah. three oh one, actually, <laughs> <laughs> when nobody was watching. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so uh, we're looking at Mark 4, um, trying to consider how these parables, how we should learn from them, um, uh, how we can uh, understand other scriptures uh, by the way that Jesus has, has taught here. Uh, I don't know. Do we want to reread the text? Would that be a good idea? Um, it, hey, you're, it's your day. This, I, I've already botched it so badly. I want nothing to do with it. It's, yeah, I, th I, th I think you should run. read it. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, how about if one of you all reads for us verses 1 through 12? It'll sound okay, I'll, okay, I'll get it. Um, Mark 1, verse, I'm sorry, Mark 4, verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching, 
he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched and said, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30 fold and 60 fold and a hundred fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And so then drop down to verses 33 and 34. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them and when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. 33 and 34 is sort of a retelling of verses 10 and 11 or 10 through 12 uh, that he gives more insight to the disciples than he does to the, the multitude. And one of my reactions early on was, well, that doesn't seem to be fair. Uh, why is it that he's explaining to some and, and not to others? Doesn't Jesus want them to, to get it? And I think that the key is, found in the beginning of verse 10, or in verse 10, when he's alone, those around him with the 12 asked about the parable. Um, again, the, the uh, uh, one of the, my Bible translations has the word that they interrogated him. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily a, uh, the, the, the best word translated there, but I think it does help to sort of give a sense of, of urgency that they really wanted to know what this message was about. And so the following text, Jesus is going to explain that to them. Boy, what a good uh, uh, hint to us that if we read something in the scriptures and we don't understand it, what should we do? We should ask the Lord. Uh, James 1 talks about that we need to ask for wisdom, and he'll give that liberally. Um, uh, we, we need to come to the Lord and, and ask for better understanding. Um, keep coming back to the scriptures reading them, trying to, 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 to grasp what the Lord is, is presenting to us. If we walk away like the multitude, we won't be benefited by it. I'm thinking about this group. You know, if, if you taught this lesson, say, maybe in, uh, in New York City or in some big metropolitan area, there, there might need to be some, some clarification on some of verses uh, 3 through 9. But to the audience that Jesus is dealing with, um, what he says in verses three through nine, can you imagine sitting there and, you know, you're really anticipating everything from chapters one, two, and three. He's this great teacher. He can perform miracles. It's just that people are astonished at his words over and over. And then he begins to teach and he says, now, when you, when you sow seed in your field, some of it's going to land on good ground and some of it's going to land on thorny ground and some of it's going to land, uh, you know, amongst the rocks and some of it's going to land along the pathway. He has ears to hear, let him hear. Huh? Duh. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we all know that. They were in an agricultural community. This would be nothing new to, to any of them. Any young boy or girl in that audience would have been able to teach that same thing about, well, seed falls, and depending on how it falls or where it falls, then it's going to do this or that. 
nothing new is stated at all in this text. And, and I think some people sort of read the scriptures and, and that's where they stop. They're, they're like, well, okay, I, I get that, but they're not looking for that spiritual application that Jesus is really wanting us to get in. And that's where the blessings are, right? I'll pause there. You got any thoughts to, to add in there? Well, just this, e even before we get to the spiritual meaning of this, which of course is all important, but just the picture that he's describing is, is not one that would come first to mind to, to many people. Many of us plant gardens, and what we do is we go out and carefully turn up a plot of ground, and then we, we may take a hoe and trench a row, and then we carefully put a seed here, and then we go 10 inches and we put a seed here, and so on like that, and then cover it all up. But that's not the process he's describing. He's describing a sower, somebody who has a bag of seed, and he just takes a handful of seed and he scatters it, kind of like maybe sowing grass seed on a lawn. And he scatters it, and as he does so, it falls indiscriminately upon all kinds of surfaces. And some of those surfaces are going to be receptive, and some of those surfaces are not. So that's the picture here. And, and there is then out of that already a spiritual lesson. And of course, the seed is going to represent what? The Word the Word of God. And so the Word of God is sown indiscriminately, and it falls upon all kinds of soil. And just like Jesus teaching the parables, which some would receive and some would not get, well, so it is with the Word of God. Uh, yeah, excellent point. As we go on and look at this explanation, then it, it is actually self-fulfilling as he says it. Exactly. Isn't that just incredible? Mm-hmm. Uh, that that, that these very hearers, this ground in which he is sowing this word uh, is, is, is proof in and of itself that, that this message is true. How about verses 13 through 20 then? To read them? Sure. All right. And he says unto them, do you not know this parable? And how shall you know all the parables? And the sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they've heard straightway comes Satan and takes away the word which has been sown in them. These in like manner are they that are sown upon the rocky places who when they've heard the word straightway receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word straightway, they stumble. And others, they that are sown among the thorns. These are they that have heard the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And these are, and those are they that were sown upon the good ground, such as hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30 fold and 60 fold and a hundred fold. Did you say just through verse 20? Yeah, yeah through 20. Yeah, thanks. So I think we, we would do a great disservice to this if we thought in the sense of 25% of the people that hear the gospel are going to respond, or one out of four, you know, that, that right. kind of thing. Um, in fact, by this parable, you would almost imagine that a lot more people are going to respond because the good ground is going to be the, 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 the predominant area. Um, but I, I don't think he's trying to point out how many people are going to respond to the gospel just that there are four different kinds of people who, uh, who respond. The first one that he describes is the individual who 
they don't even want to hear anything. Their, their heart is so hard, verse 15, uh, that they have no desire. Um, for some reason, whatever it is, they have been turned off from the gospel and from God, and uh, they don't have any interest in it at all. I can remember several years ago, lived in Cincinnati, was going door knocking, trying to get some Bible studies with people in a neighborhood. One of the first houses we went to, knocked on the door, guy comes to the door and says, can I help you? He said, yeah, we'd be interested to know if you wanted to have a Bible. No! Slam the door right in our face. And just like, what? What? I mean, wow. But that's the way some people are. They don't want to hear it, and they're not going to. Um, they are as hard as, as, as the, the dirt on a, on a path. Um, and, and, and that's just really sad. Uh, we ought not to be surprised, though, when we come across those kinds of individuals. Certainly Jesus met them even in his own teaching, right? Any thoughts about that one? Well, we have an expression, in one ear and out the other. Um, oh. Although, in this case, it doesn't even make it through. It just kind of hits the ear and bounces off. Yeah. Um, but these are people who the, the seed is sown, it's there, but they're not interested and no sooner has, has it hit their ear than they've forgotten about it, and the devil snatches it away. Yeah, uh, that's a good modern uh, uh, phrase to, to think about in comparison to verse 9, though. They don't have ears to hear. Mm -hmm. uh, it just passes through. That's, that's interesting. Uh, so the second one, and, and maybe just note that out of the four different kinds, how many of the four does the seed germinate and, and grow? Three. Yeah. And that, that took me a while to recognize um, uh, that the second and third, the, uh, amongst, the, the thorn, uh, amongst the rocks and amongst the thorns, that the, the seed actually took root and, and, and grew, uh, began to at least. Um, the first one, or the second one there, uh, amongst the, uh, the rocks, doesn't have any roots. And uh, just the other day, my daughter Hannah was planting a garden with her, with my grandchildren, and my grandchildren were kind of tired of pulling the rocks out of the ground. And uh, Erin said, well, why do we have to do this, Mom? <laughs> well, if you don't, then when we plant our, our seeds, the, the, the roots won't be able to get down into the ground, and, and the plant will die. And Erin goes, oh, that's just like the Bible story. And uh, that's a tear-jerking moment for a grandpa. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah, I mean, just, just think about that seed can't, you know, that, that, that root can't get any deeper to get the nutrients that it needs. It, it can't resist the weather and so forth. And it's just going to wither and, and die when the sun strikes it. And that's the way some people are with God's word. The, they receive it. And what's the description there in, uh, in verse 16? They receive it immediately with gladness. You know, we've encountered people, right, who have just been so emotional and, and so full of joy for, for having found the gospel and, and being saved. And, and you, you watch them come up out of the water, and, and they are just so passionate. And then they get home, and somebody begins to give them some resistance. Or they go to work on Monday, and people begin to pressure them, and they face some uh, some persecutions of some sort for their choices, or just or just have difficulty prioritizing spiritual things because they've still got one foot in the world. Yeah, 
And, and you know, Joe, it's interesting to go back to verse five, where it describes this seed that's sown upon the rocky ground. And it says, straightway it sprang up because it had no deepness of earth. You know, you plant the seed deep in the dirt and it won't spring up quite as quickly because it's got further to go. Uh, but when it does come up, it's got deep roots. But this yeah. seed, it didn't go deep because of the rocky ground. So it sprang up quickly, but then not having root, it withers. And how many times have you taught somebody the gospel and they responded quickly? And I'm not, I'm not at all trying to discourage somebody res to responding to the gospel in obedience quickly. But how many times have we seen somebody say, yes, I want to be baptized. And we're, we're excited. Here's somebody who's enthusiastic about becoming a Christian. But then they don't make the commitment to be regularly in the assemblies of the Christians. They don't make the commitment to be regularly meeting with you one-on-one -on -one for Bible studies. They continually are coming up with excuses because, well, I've got to work or we're going on vacation. And they don't prioritize spiritual things. And so they never really get beyond just that I need to be baptized for the remission of my sins. And never getting beyond that. Those are the ones who within three months, they're gone. Or within six months, they've fallen away. That, we see that so often. That's what's being described here. Yeah, yeah. It, it, look at the contrast in verse 16. And of course, Mark, this is one of his favorite words, right? In verse 16, they immediately receive it with gladness. And then in verse 17, they immediately, they stumble. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, you, know, you, you get that picture of, uh, just as, as Jeff described, some problem comes along, 17 describes tribulation or persecution. You know, they've, they're, they're all happy about the gospel, and they may even be sincere at, at that time, but they've not made any good preparations to face the difficulties of life. Um, and so they're going to... Or, or even the, the difficulties of, they, they learned some things after that, and all of a sudden there's some things in the scripture, that, wait a minute, that's a little tough to accept. <laughs> You know, maybe maybe your philosophy of, of the world is is in them, and when they look at some of the scripture that contradicts that, they're not ready to give up that philosophy, and so well, well that can't be that, and then they start falling back away from it because they don't want to accept what the scriptures are saying. Yeah, uh, you, you see some of the epistles directed toward that kind of thing, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, then the, the third one, the ones that sown amongst the thorns, they also, in verse 18, they hear the word. Um, at the end of verse 19, it says that chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful, which again, just is a clear implication that it started growing. Maybe it even achieved some height to it. But the problem was it didn't have any fruit on it. There was, there was no grain at the end uh, on, on the head uh, of that stalk. Um, uh, and so it, it may even last, you know, in, in physical presence, but it's not actually accomplishing what the Lord wants to, to be accomplished for, uh, for that seed, uh, that, that ground. And, and what it hinders it, uh, as a, in, sort of in contrast to the tribulation and persecution, what's the hindrance there in verse 19? Well, this probably is better, um, parallel, the language I used a minute ago, having one foot in the world, that probably actually fits this one uh, better than the, the rocky ground, because this is the individual who still cares about the things of the world so that his interest is divided. And in, a, in, a, in an agricultural way, you think of a plant that's growing up amongst a bunch of weeds that 
that are taking nutrition out of the soil and crowding out the sunlight and the plant gets leggy and it doesn't have the plant that you're wanting to grow. It doesn't have a lot of good foliage and doesn't produce a lot of fruit. Um, and so that's the idea here. Why? Because there's so much else taking the resources in this person's life, his attention, and uh, it's the cares of the world. Good. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, and so here's a place, and, and correct me if you all see this differently, here's a place where I think it's a little bit dangerous if we take um, uh, parable or illustrations too far. Uh, because here's a distinction that should be made between the physical planting and the spiritual planting, and that is that the individual here has a choice to move or not. You know, when you plant seed, it grows where it's planted, and it, it, it can't move over to the good ground. Right. It can't move away from the thorns and the thistles. So that illustration, we need to understand that here, for, for us, we, we can move away from those cares of the world. Right? We can avoid those thorns if we are willing to. Uh, we can allow the world, uh, the, the word uh, to, uh, to have a greater influence than the, than the world. In other words, I can change what kind of ground I am. Yeah. And, and, and that the parable is not addressing that point. And that's one of the things about parables. It's one of the things about illustrations generally. Illustrations never perfectly represent what they're illustrating. If the illustration was exactly like what it's illustrating in every particular, it would no longer be an illustration. It would be the thing it's illustrating. Exactly. <laughs> so what we yeah. have to do is discern what is the point of this illustration? What yes. is it that this illustration is trying to tell me about the thing it's illustrating? Good, good, good point. Yeah, not all deer are, are black, three inches tall and two dimensional. Uh, deer sign is, um, uh, but, uh, but that's an illustration of what a deer looks like, but it's not to be taken to, to, to the extreme. Good, good, good point. Um, so verse 19 is a really good warning to everyone um, because who falls for the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches? Well, well that would be the, the, the Zuckerbergs or you know, the, the, the ultra-rich people, right? It, it, I mean, it, that doesn't apply to, to common people or to, to poor people, right? Well, I think it says something about those who are minded to be rich. Yeah, yeah. Um, just stand in line at the grocery store and watch the lottery tickets be sold. You know, the deceitfulness of riches is pretty powerful. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, uh, riches can, can deceive and cares of the world uh, again, rich or poor, middle class, it makes no difference. It is quite possible for any of us to receive God's word. Maybe even, you know, we, we take a presence in the pew. We are, 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 are you know, around people physically, but we're not bearing fruit that the Lord wants us to bear. So we can be the unsuccessful materialistic person. And we're minded to be rich. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9. They that are minded to be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and many foolish and hurtful lusts, such as drown men in destruction and perdition. He doesn't say those who are successful in becoming rich. He says those who are minded to be rich. A translation so, says desires for other things. So you could be at every economical level desire other things. Yeah, 
Yeah, and 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 it, and it may not even necessarily just be financial. Um, you know, some people are desiring more leisure, more attraction, more entertainment, more of uh, just more of material, uh, more more physical, more of this world. Um, and uh, as a result, you, you you can't have that split allegiance. Um, we, if we're going to to be fruitful to the Lord, I'm curious. Uh, what kind of thoughts or passages come to your mind when you read about that being unfruitful? What kind of fruit is to be born and uh, as a as, as a plant in in God's kingdom? Galatians five always comes immediately to my mind. I think sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that to be fruitful, I have to be converting a lot of other people, and certainly that's a a good thing, and we can be fruitful in that way. But we have the fruit of the Spirit described in Galatians 5.20. Did I say Galatians 4 a minute ago? No, you said 5. Galatians 5.22 and following. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The idea of fruit is the produce. What is produced by following the Spirit are these attributes. And so these attributes should, should be seen in the person who has received the Word of God in, in his heart. In fact, if he has received the Word of God in his heart so that the Word of God is governing him, he will see these attributes in his life. Good. Uh, Peter sort of has a parallel to that Galatians 5, I think. Uh, it's not exact, but I think it's pretty similar in Second Peter 1 and in verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, Self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful uh, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so if we don't want to be unfruitful, then we have to have uh, uh, these qualities and have them be building in our lives over the, over the course of our life. Uh, Peter ends that same epistle in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, and he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So being fruitful means growing and, and, and having the qualities, producing the qualities of, of Christ, uh, of the Spirit. Say, say, Joe, you talked a bit a little bit ago, you used the word, that doesn't seem fair, and, I, and I've also heard that and, and come to that conclusion at one time or another. Can you address uh, verse 12 a little bit more, which, which, uh, which addresses that? It doesn't seem fair. That yeah. Verse 12, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Again, there's that appearance of, what, unfairness? Uh, Jeff, you want to say something? Well, just, just, just before you go to that, just to add something to what you just said about becoming Christ-like. There's this passage in Romans, the eighth chapter in verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also foreordained to be conformed to the image of his son. Um, so be, becoming a Christian is not just about getting forgiven. Uh, I got saved. It's, it's having the attributes of Christ become a characteristic of my life. Um, so go ahead now, though, to, to Drew's question. That's a good question. Well, it's such a simple answer. I almost let you answer it there, Jeff. 
Um, what would you say it is, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a quote from Isaiah, the sixth chapter, and uh, it really has a lot of parallels to Isaiah 6. Um, in the year that King Uzziah dies, uh, Isaiah sees the king in the temple with his train and all of his glory. The holy, holy, holy is shouted out by those servants of his, the seraphim. And uh, the Lord commissions Isaiah to go and to preach. Isaiah says, uh, here am I, send me at the end of verse 8. And then this quote that we're just talking about that's mentioned here in Mark, the fourth chapter. Uh, he says, here am I, send me. And the Lord answers, go and tell this people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. And then Isaiah goes on, and that's one of the things that I, I always try to do when I'm reading an Old Testament quote in the New Testament, is go back and look at the fuller context. That, that usually helps me, almost always. So Isaiah says, well, how long? <laughs> how long should I be preaching? And he says, until everything's barren, until everything's desolate, and, until, uh, until there's nothing else left in the, in the land. Um, and so the message, Isaiah was to go in to preach the message. Some people understand this prophecy. It's recorded here in Mark 4, also in John 12, um, as saying like that God was going to not let some people understand uh, that, that he was hardening their hearts contrary to their will. Uh, but that's certainly not the case. Isaiah was preaching a message of salvation. We see here in this text that Jesus is preaching a, this message of, uh, of, of the good ground of, of the gospel. Um, and everybody had the same opportunity to hear. Everybody had the same opportunity to come and to inquire more. Uh, but it seems as if, and maybe John 12 helps a little bit in, in explaining this, um, uh, when uh, Jesus had... Uh, here and talking about his death and what's going to transpire. Uh, I'll pick up in verse 37. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. So they've had plenty of opportunity to see who he is, but they don't believe that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed, quote from Isaiah 3 about Jesus, right? And then verse 39 of John 12, therefore they could not believe because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they should see with their eyes and understand with their heart, lest they should turn so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. To me, that's kind of key. I mean, like, why does John add that last verse there? These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory, God's glory, and spoke of him. Well, what is it that's being manifested in John 12? Jesus' glory. Uh, he, he, even though he did so many signs in verse 37, they had the opportunity. But those same signs that softened the hearts of some hardened these individuals' hearts. Uh, and, and that's what I see taking place. And again, it's sort of like the parable of the sower is self-fulfilling because he says there's going to be these hard-hearted people that the word can't penetrate. And sure enough, there were some people who just would not even receive that. I don't know if that answers your question. That is my answer. But uh, if, uh, if, if, if you need a follow-up, uh, 
or Jeff, if you had a thought, or, or Drew, maybe you've got a, a thought of your own on that. Uh, over in Matthew uh, 13, with the same parable is there, and Matthew records in verse 16, Matthew 13, saying, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. So the difference is, is the individual. They right. see and they hear. It's the same message, but some people, they don't want it. They don't, they don't, it doesn't affect them. It, it's them, their heart, their mind. I think of the, uh, I'll make it, I'll give an illustration. Going down the road, stop at a traffic light, and I am so mad at that light because I'm late. I want to get someplace. But then a week later, I stop at the same traffic light, and at that time, I'm not in a rush. And I look out, and I see this beautiful landscape on the side, and I am really enjoying that. Well, what changed? It's the same red light. Me. There's something different about me. And I think that's what's going on here. That's a good parable, Drew. <laughs> that, that, that is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks for giving us a parable on the parables. Uh, that, that, and that really does help. It, it, it's the, it's the, the way that you looked at things, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's pretty good. I like that. Other thought on that, Je uh, Jeff, you got anything you want to add about that? No, uh, I, think, I think he entered it, handled it well, and we're just about out of time. Boy, this, uh, this <laughs> quickly. Uh, I thought we would get further than that. And, but thank you all very much for your, your comments. I appreciated it. Um, it's exciting text to, to study. Um, it's always encouraging. No matter how many times I've read and studied Mark 4, it's, it's challenging and, uh, and uh, encouraging to me at the same time. So thank you all. Appreciate so much the opportunities to study with you today. God bless.